Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. Welcome back to Ease Podcast. This week, I welcome my special guest, Rachel Ma. This triple threat shares her experiences with TV, movies, Broadway, and much more. She shares with us what motivates her to continue challenging herself every single day. Welcome to the show, my special guest, Rachel Ma. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm great, Mr. T. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank Let you. Her- of course. Let everybody know who you are, and if you had like a bio for your life, what would it be? Hey, I'm Rachel Ma. I am a triple threat uh, with 12 years experience performing in New York City and international tours. I have been in the musical theater world and in the off-Broadway world and in the film and TV world. And I am also fortunate enough to be Miss Rachel to some dancers in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I co-run a dance studio with uh, my mom and a bunch of really special people. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about that um, and later on. But I wanted to find out, um, tell us about a little bit about young Rachel. How did she get involved in all of this? I grew up as a studio rat, which was really yeah. fun. And I was always at the dance studio and I was just there, you know, for everything. And yeah. it was really, really cool because I got to take dance. And then I got to watch the big kids take dance, you. And <laughs> Then I also got to watch, you know, the costumes being made and the families drop off their kids. And and I got to have this perspective that like very few people get to see where mm-hmm. all of these little parts come together to make, you know, something happen. So um, I was a studio rat and I really enjoyed um, being in all aspects of like what happens at the dance studio. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time there. I mean, your mom was there almost every single day. So that meant that you were, you were there almost every single day and we, we, we'd see each other all, all the time. And you, um, when did you start, when did your mom actually put you in dance? I mean, the womb, I never like an official, there was never an official baptism. I mean, it just has always been in my life, which is great, but also very strange because there was never a time where I chose it, right? It's just kind of been this, this thing, this, you know, sibling of mine that I've just, you know, grown up with and never known life without, which I wouldn't change. And did you ever in your mind think, hey, this isn't something that I want to do? No, um, you know, I never, I never doubted like my love for dance in the dance industry. I know that some people can really kind of experience it feeling like a prison and feeling, you know, kind of suffocating. But to me, dance was always very liberating because I felt mm-hmm. like I, I was able to see how you could be in all of these different aspects of it. Um, you know, I experienced, um, you know, times where I, I didn't feel like my strengths were being seen as necessarily strengths. Um, and there were there were times where I I definitely was being told to conform and sure. and really um, be confined to whatever whatever show or or way of doing something or philosophy that other people had about dance. But I, deep down, I always I always knew that 
my truest sense of self came alive when I was able to, to dance. And I, I didn't, I didn't ever doubt that or, or not want to do it. I mean, there was a period of time where I was sick and I couldn't do it, mm-hmm. but, um, I always, always, sorry. I always enjoyed being able to have that thing to go to that therapeutic kind of, you know, happy thing. Yeah. And, and you, you just, when you were telling us about yourself, you, you mentioned so many different things. So as you were growing up, did you, did you act, did you sing, did you do all that? Or was that, or was that a focus that you did after college or um, later in your life? You know, I am so lucky that I came from a place where the philosophy of dancing and performing and entertainment and art was theatrical. And, you know, even in my ballet education, it was, you know, ballet was really, my exposure to ballet was really um, structured off of the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo and how their ballets and their productions were entertaining, accessible to the masses, told a story. So, um, no, I didn't grow up taking acting classes or taking voice lessons, um, but in in dancing, there was always a true value in being expressive and mm-hmm. emotional. And um, there was a lot of, now that I have studied acting and now that I have studied voice, I, I look back at my dance education and it was just very rich in the ability to move through all of these layers of telling a story and using your body and using your face. And uh, that wasn't always valued by everybody in my life. Um, mm-hmm. but when I was growing up, my education was very much like, you know, full and big and deep and rich and that it wasn't just dancing. It was much yeah. more. Yeah. Your class was always, your level was always much more expressive than, than my level was. We were very like, okay, we were pretty chill, cool people, but your, your level was always the more expressive. And I even remember thinking back on dances or productions that you guys would do they were always more um theatrical and more expressive and they were always the fun that's ones funny because you know what i i you were the big kids your class was the people that we all looked up to and i i definitely you know was inspired by the yeah. people that were in your class and you know did things that i later wanted to do and you know so it's it's that's an interesting uh, perspective yeah um, and I know you had a really successful college career. What made you think that you wanted you wanted to take your education to that next level? You know what? It's funny. My college career started off as being a theater major. Okay. I I stayed local and I chose to do theater, and that primarily was chosen because I I I was challenged with like a little bit of a health issue right after I graduated from high school. Um, but once I kind of was, um, you know, getting back to a healthier, stronger self, I, I just needed to dance. I just needed to dance and I wanted to dance and learn about it from that academic perspective. And, um, and I was inspired by you. I was inspired by you. You went to school in a different state with new teachers in this whole other world. And I was really inspired by you being able to do that. And um, 
I looked into universities that offered dance, which at the time were much, much fewer than there are today. Much fewer now. Yeah. <laughs> I made my mm -hmm. little list and I, I talked to my parents and we went on, you know, we had scheduled the auditions and I went on my first audition. I nailed four pirouettes on point and I was like, I'm getting into this program. And <laughs> yeah, that's I, the one. I didn't even go to the other auditions because I got a scholarship and I, you know, I really, really loved um, how beautiful the place was. And it just mm -hmm. felt so environmentally different. It looked, you know, topographically different. Mm -hmm. And um, and it just I saw the other people in the audition and I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. And they, that was a, at a great time because they were transitioning into new leadership, I guess I would say. And they're really um, welcoming a lot more people into the academic side of teaching. And it was it was really a kind of like a renaissance for that university. Um, and you we were all part of that. Oh, absolutely. That it was a really exciting time. And I mean, there was a, a, a strange, you know, Mm -hmm. there, but I definitely feel that like, without the experience of going to college, not only would I as a person not have cooked in the oven for the, the amount of time that I really needed to m mature and have my own philosophies and like, know thyself. But I, I also, I mean, my professors, they, to this day, are some of the most unbelievable champions of art that mm -hmm. I've met. And they are really, really, really beautiful humans. And of course, incredibly talented and, you know, legends in, in their own respective fields. Sure. Did you, when you going to college, um, did you ever feel like you were missing out on anything because you chose that route versus say maybe moving to New York earlier or going to LA or going to Chicago or any of these hubs of entertainment? Um, you know, the interesting thing about having a mother who grew up in the dance industry and came from New York City and came from, you know, one of the the roots of jazz, um, you know, she was a student of Frank Hatchett. I mean, I really had a perspective on what moving to New York meant. Mm -hmm. or being a professional dancer was. And I felt like through osmosis, her experiences really informed me in a way that my peers perhaps didn't know about. So mm -hmm. although I think it is a perfectly fine choice for some dancers with a certain set of skills, with a certain um, niche, I I think that overall um, the 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 maturity and the um, resilience and and the worldliness you need to go into that industry. I think you have to really, you really have to cook in the oven because yeah. I mean, it's just, you'll burn out, you'll break down, you'll get injured, you'll make the wrong choices or you'll be, you know, reckless. And I think that like, for me, I didn't regret it for a second because I knew what it, took and I, I needed to go to school. Um, but your mom has always had a pinpoint focus on dance and being in New York. And there was never a, she's, she expressed a lot in her, in that, in my first season when I interviewed her, she always, she just has a very distinct focus on all of that. And she knew how to express that to everybody. 
Yeah, she just really values education. And mm -hmm. I think that that's, you know, especially of her generation, there was so many, there were so few people in the arts getting educated. I mean, they just went and performed because that's what you did. No schools offered dance, you know, majors. It just didn't happen at that time. But I, but I know that like, you, you have to be savvy. You have to know your business. You have to know your brand. You have to know who you are before you walk into the industry and you say, look at me. Because if you don't know who you are, they don't know what to buy. Right. So, you know, it's just, I, I, I think that really having a exposure to lots of different people and philosophies and, you know, types of approaches to things, whether it be through dance or through academics, it just helps you do whatever it is that you want. And, you know, my, my mom, both my parents, they, they always made me feel like I could do anything. So, you know, even if I went to college and I, you know, studied archeology, span I'm sure they would be like, great, get an education and then mm -hmm. dance, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I definitely felt like I learned a lot about dance by going to school, but mm -hmm. um, it really, university is, is much less about what you learn and much more about how to learn. So right. I, that's, what I, that's what I experienced there was how to think, how to, how to, how do I go through the process of, you know, experiencing something new. Mm -hmm. um, so you're at the, you're at the, the deciding factor of what to do after college, what's kind of going through your head and how are you, what decisions are you making? Yeah, I chose to move to New York on a Wednesday. Um, and I moved to New York on a Thursday. And it was just, I didn't have a plan to do it. It was something that I just felt like, yep, this is what I need. And um, when I was in college, my plan was to be a concert dancer and to be a mm -hmm. choreographer. I had no, no, no indication that I was going to work in film and TV or, you know, work in Broadway musical theater or, you know, being a card carrying equity member, or being in the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, those were things that were just surprises along the way. So I moved to New York City um, in like less than 24 hours. And I got up there with just like being really open to the experiences. I was lucky enough to immediately land a job on the creative team for um, Bjork's music video for Wonderlust. And I worked on that project through a company at the time, modern dance company. And it was just like, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is so cool. This is so fun. Mm -hmm. and then the recession of 2008 hit. Right. And there were, every theater was dark and there mm -hmm. were no, there was no money. There was no, I mean, it was much like this time now. And the cool thing about that period of time in New York city was that again, all of these ashes fell and blanketed the, the performance community. And then all of these beautiful new things started to grow. So I, my, um, you know, my baptism into to New York City was really at that time where all of this unbelievable innovation and change was happening. And it was the greatest time of my life. Mm -hmm. What, um, so you said you, you mentioned about acting and, um, and uh, film and TV. What made you drive to go and do that? 2008. 2008. Um, yeah, you know, dancers aren't lucky enough to say I'm a professional dancer. You can't mm -hmm. dub yourself that, right? You have to kind of, you have to be 
you have to be hired. You have to be paid. You have to be given the opportunity again and again and again. And as a dancer, you can't choose what job you want to take. Very few people are at that level. Yeah. And um, in in the in the um, desperation of wanting to to stay in New York City and wanting to be a performer and wanting to use my talents and my gifts, I really needed to get creative with what I was going to do. And I, you know, I, I knew I could act, I knew I could sing, I knew I could do these things. So I went on auditions and I auditioned for everything. And it was really out of like, all right, well, there's not a whole lot of jobs. So what jobs are there? I can do that. I can do that. And I, and I got really lucky. Um, so acting and working in film and TV came as a um, job that was available and I got a really lucky break and it kind of showed me this whole other world, which I was able to pursue for a good, you know, 10 years. And um, that's really where all of it started. What motivates you to try these new things? You know, living in New York is, is one tough just to begin with. And moving there is a big decision. Um, and then walking into a room that you don't necessarily know. It's different when you walk into a dance audition. You know what's going to happen, what the layout's going to be. But what made you, what motivated you just to walk in there and say, I'm going to, this is what I, this is what I'm going to do. From risk comes success. And I really always feel like the stakes, I mean, for me personally, I'm mm-hmm. able to move through something if I can take the stakes down. Like, sure, there have been times where I've walked into an audition room and it is the biggest opportunity of my life. And it's it's the biggest job of my life. And these are the most important cast direct casting directors I've ever seen. And, and this job would change my life. And if I could do this, but if I think of it that way, there will be no it will be impossible to have my authenticity and my best self come through, Mm -hmm. you know, mentally I have to take the stakes down a lot and say, I'm just going to be my best and I'm just going to try my best. And what do I have to lose? And usually it's nothing because what are people going to take away from you? You know, your, your, your gifts, your pride. I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. So, I mean, sure. Rejection hurts. It's, tough. There are times where there's a lot at stake, but, um, I, I was really motivated by the why not mm-hmm. is the, well, what will happen if I fail? You know? So I, I, I definitely think that like, go for it. Yeah. That's you're, really- you're only going to miss out if you don't try it. That's the only thing you're going to be missing out on. For yeah, sure. You know what? I will say that too, that like, I really hadn't been rejected from anything until mm-hmm. I like 21 years old. I had never experienced rejection. So that was new and it sucked. Mm-hmm. I had never really, I mean, every, every audition I went on, I got in with a scholarship. I mean, my whole life. So, so this tough world of like, no, your nose is too big. You're too short. You look like my ex-wife. I can't hire you. That was really hard. Mm-hmm. But I just kept on getting all of those no's and really building up like a sense of resiliency. I mean, I, I, I think that for a long time, you know, I tried to find the logic, you know, well, where do I fit? And, sure. and is my nose too big? And, and can't, maybe I can't do this. And maybe I can't sing. And maybe I can't, you know, sure, of course, that's part of the journey of like, you know, being a human is, is 
really being comfortable in yourself. But I, I think that once I had my first taste of rejection and cried about it on my couch, many hours, you know, I was like, I need to be rejected a lot more. I need to be rejected so much that I don't care. I need to go from rejection to rejection to rejection. So that way my job is getting rejected. That's what I need to think. And Mm -hmm. sure, it, it, there are flaws in that thinking, but I, I definitely like, you know, I mean, I think that like, it's like, it's, it's gotta be, the stakes have to be much lower. Everything is the greatest, you know, most pivotal point of your life. I mean, you're just going to be holding your breath Mm -hmm. and not there. What do you, just a a fun question. What's one of your favorite, your favorite projects that you've ever done? Film, TV, dance? Oh, you know. um, Somebody asked me this a a few weeks back and I was, I was racking my brain too. And I, I'd want to figure out what, um, what yours was. The project that I, you know, it's, it's really kind of, I will say that the, the project that was definitely the most fun and the most like exciting is that um, I, I perform with this like dance comedy uh, troupe in New York city and they have become like my best friends and mm-hmm. hired by Sony to go to Japan and tour Japan. And it was the first international tour that, all of us had been on and we were like, we were just like so giddy and it was so new. And, and, you know, we were just taken care of and we had fans following us around and, you know, it was just wild and fun. So um, that project was touring Japan was, was a different planet and it was with my best friends and like everything was free and it was just great. Um, So I really love that project, but then, you know, emotionally, one of the most rewarding things that I did was um, I got to work on the Broadway revival of On the Town, which won, the, which won the Tony that year. And I got to work with one of my favorite choreographers. His name is Josh Burgos. And he's, I mean, he's a legend, but um, I got to work on, on that pre-production and, and just working at that level of a show that we knew was going to be so good and just all of that kind of magic mm-hmm. in the room in Times Square in those big studios above, you know, it just was, it just was fantastic. Yeah. And I also like my jaw fell open the day I like got to work on set with Angelica Houston. And then yeah. the day I met Christina Ricci. I mean, come on, that's, she was in Casper. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that like was an amazing, like I, you know, was very, very like, what is my life? What is happening? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This yeah. Is and there's, they sound like completely different impacts, like emotional and then like yeah. mental. Every, please, every single day I wake up and I'm like, my 13 year old self would be shitting themselves, yeah. freaking out. Like that is, that is definitely like the, the driving force is like, oh, I'm making myself proud. This is great. So yeah. That's but, awesome. Yeah, those are the highs. Those are the highs. We can talk about the highs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so just transitioning to more currency, you discussed about the recession in 2008. And as we're kind of in this recession style uh, this past year, and you mentioned about um, the studio, what impact has this past year had on you and what you do? 
everybody in the dance industry has experienced really big changes. Um, but I work with a great team and I work with people who are open, smart, creative, they get it done. And it just was a really, really perfect test of yeah. all of our ability to kind of be a team. And I mean, it, it really took everybody from top to bottom to re-innovate the business model and how, how we bring dance to people's lives. But even at kind of the darkest, most uncertain time, um, my mom, who's a real captain of the ship, I mean, she just was like, people need to dance. Mm -hmm. This is when it's important. This is when people need to move and feel those endorphins and feel connected. So full steam ahead. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that like, it's, it's changed, but they're permanent changes that were inevitable anyway. And we're there. Mm -hmm. And I'm really proud of us. I really think that like, we looked at, we looked at dance classes in a new lens and we even looked at performances in the new lens to the yeah. point of where I feel a tremendous sense of accomplishment and success that we were able to, um, take our annual performance that we have in November and turn it into this beautiful, you know, multi-camera film shoot mm -hmm. where dancers were still able to have a beautiful experience. It was safe. It was all by health guidelines and it was only through creativity and openness and innovation of the whole team that made that possible. So uh, lots of changes, but yeah. I also think, I also think, inevitable changes, changes that were going to come in the next five years anyway. So, um, yeah. And I think that you, uh, I think that's correct. A lot of people are saying that that inevitable change, you know, the five, 10 year plan kind of pushed up into, into a couple, um, extra months. Um, what changes do you feel like you had to go through during the past, uh, year, nine months, I guess I should say. Um, you know, I, I, I personally feel like I needed to value that morning ritual time more because mm, mm -hmm. um, there were so many fires to put out and things to handle and things to do that it was a real test of like sense of self. Sure. And um, I believe whether it's, you know, you are retired from performing or you are a performer at that highest athletic level that you have connection with yourself first. And the world is going to get busy. The world is going to be on fire. And unless you really take a moment, you're not going to be able to um, assess how to do it. And um, yeah, so I mean, I, I went through a personal change in the sense that I had to really prioritize myself, whether yeah. that means like, go to go to sleep early or wake up early, or, you know, have that time but it, it really, it really was like, you know, there were so many things more important than that, but mm -hmm. really that was the most important thing. So. Yeah. Sure. And I think that kind of goes well with dealing with these, these virtual classes, meetings, everything. There was kind of this, I did the same exact thing. I wanted it to always be perfect and go exactly how it was planned, but 
you know, it's, it's technology and sometimes you can't hear or sometimes you can't see or sometimes the person is mirrored or sometimes they're upside down on their head. So it was kind of oh like, my God, oh, we've seen it all. We've seen know, it, all. it took a couple weeks, but you kind of really seen it all. And then you're trying to help the person who's standing on their head, trying to do something. And, um, but it's really just kind of going with the flow and staying agile and all of those things. But you did mention, uh, a film that you guys had uh, produced with the ballet company. Tell me more about that and tell everybody more about it. We have an annual performance for our ballet company, which is 35 years strong. And the prospect of that ballet performance not being possible due to not being able to have an audience was so sad. And we already went through um, a end of our season where our dancers weren't able to be on the stage in June. And we knew that we needed to find a way to bring the show to life, bring the show to people's homes, make grandma and grandpa in Idaho be able to watch their granddaughter, allow, you know, this little munchkin to be able to be on stage and, and dance with in a costume with the music and, and put all of their hard classwork you know, uh, to celebrate it. So um, it was probably in April that I joined a meeting with our team and I said, listen, hear me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've worked on film sets a ton. I've worked, uh, I've seen kind of all aspects of how a film comes together. And we, I, I suggested this idea of, of doing it as a film. And, um, you know, we weren't, we didn't just set up a couple cameras and do the show. We really tried to be innovative and creative with what and how we told the story. And I mean, we had some really big ideas and really, really exciting things that we were going to, uh, to do, but, um, you know, it, it, it did need to be edited as far as what was possible for budget and what was possible for time. But at the end of the day, we, pr we produced this beautiful uh, film. And after 35 years, we finally saw a ballet that we've done a zillion times in a new way. And it was really exciting. And um, I think all of, all of the people involved were, were grateful to have an opportunity mm -hmm. and the fact that it was sparkling and, and wonderful was, um, you know, gift enough. Uh, we learned a lot, and I, yeah. I think that if we were able to do it again, it would be even better. Um, sure, and you and you have those. You did it once successfully. It's trying to get those people who are on the fence or said no the first time that you then they see the product and then they're like, "Yeah, oh I mean, my goodness, like we, it was so crazy because we decided we were going to do this big film." And then yeah. we found out we had the smallest cast size we've ever had. And yeah. we had, you know, no money. And it was like, well, here's the challenge. Do the film as big as you can with all of these, you know, kind of factors. But we did it. And, you know, that's a, that's something that I think that, like, a lot of people couldn't do. A lot of ballet companies across the U.S. chose, chose to just broadcast their their production from last year. We yeah. did a new production this year. It was amazing to to um showcase and it was really really uh well done um kudos to our uh, videographer and yeah. all of that but uh but yeah i mean it was definitely like we did it and then we did it in a pandemic so we yeah. were you know 
patting ourselves on the back. Now, is the same thing that motivated you when you were in New York the same as what motivated you this past year to get through it? No, um, my motivation in New York is very self-driven and my motivation as a teacher is very others driven. I feel mm -hmm. a tremendous responsibility to others. I feel a tremendous um, sense of maternal, um, you know, I, I feel like everybody's family member. Yeah. So all of my students, you know, when I, when I see that they might not have the pro prospect to do something, I feel it like their mom does. Mm -hmm. All of my students, when I feel like they have this exciting opportunity, I feel it like their mom does. And so, um, you know, my motivation in, in, in this moment is for others. You know, I want, I want them to fly. I want them to have that, um, beautiful memory. And, um, you know, in New York, it was very much for, you know, how do I do myself justice, my training, mm -hmm. this, you know, the legacy of dance through which I came, how do I do that justice internal, external? Yeah. And as we're resetting and kind of getting ready to start 2021, what are some new beginnings that you want for yourself in this coming year? Knowing that you had this time, we all had this time to kind of like, figure it out. You know, maybe, maybe, but what's some new beginnings that you want for yourself personally in 2021? Yes. I want to, you know, I spent so much of this year kind of reorganizing and, and mm -hmm. in emergency mode that, that this year I'd really like to reconnect to myself as an artist. And I'd really oh. like to reconnect to my creativity because as you know, being creative only happens when you can be in a space that's conducive to creativity. And for everybody that's different. Mm -hmm. Chaotic emergency mode is not conducive to being creative. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I can generate calm and peace. That way I can really make things. And that's, you know, something I've always loved is I love to make things, whether it be a pie or a costume or a dance. Um, so I really want to connect to my creative self in a, in a essential way. What and what new beginnings do you think you have for being Miss Rachel and the studio? A certain amount of these of of moving into the new York, new year is reconnecting to something we haven't had for the past nine months. Mm -hmm. So you know, before we can move ahead and do the next thing, I'm just so excited for us to get back the thing we lost. Yeah. So just simply dancing in the studio. Mm -hmm is, is, is new. And there's some students that I still haven't seen in the studio. They're just still virtual and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I am eagerly looking forward to that moment where we can reconnect with being on the stage and having a live audience. Um, I do think that there's some really exciting new things um, that this push of, you know, innovation has, um, led us to whether it be streaming performances and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, um, I, I am excited for that. Sure. But I'm excited for us to, to build on kind of this vacancy that's been opened up from the past year. Do you think those were inevitable changes that kind of got pushed up or were those new innovative ideas that kind of kind of just now are in front of those inevitable decisions. I definitely think that these changes were inevitable. You know, I'm lucky my partner is in a completely different field. I mean, he knows nothing about mm -hmm. dance, right? He's in tech and um, you know, he's, he runs a business that's uh, very much in a, in a world where he talks to people who are 
it, just in a completely different space. And I know that once you leave the arts world and once you leave kind of everybody's, you know, obsession with tradition and this is how things are done and it must yeah. be on a stage or it's not real dancing or, you know, whatever. I know that there's liberation there. There's, yeah. there's too much. And um, it's not new. I mean, I have peers who have been doing, um, you know, Instagram TV shows or broadcasting and streaming their performances. I mean, that's been done. But mm -hmm. now I think that instead of a, a, a luxury, it's a necessity. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that people, yes, are being really innovative at this time, especially with technology so rapidly changing to keep up with what everyone needs to use it for. But I mean, hey, it's just kind of these new voices that have been present all along that are now getting a spotlight. Mm -hmm. And I always think back to um, whatever, everything that's old is new again. And I always think back when we were in college, we always would have to do these site-specific works outside where people were like socially distant before socially distant was a thing. And then you have to like, <laughs> everything was outdoors and you had it. So it's like dancing in a field. You yeah. Know. <laughs> and never could you dance in the theater. It was like two years later, you were dancing in the theater. Right, but it right, was right. one and a half years where you had to think outside of the theater. And that that kind of thinking was helped shape what's happening now. Like all those ideas that people have about yeah. being in a parking I mean, lot or all those things yeah. were like, been there, done that. That was so 2000. And I'm so excited that I have been lucky enough, you know, in the, for really over a decade to work with such creative and artistic minds. I mean, I've, I've done um, performances. There's this hotel in New York city. It's, it's, it's right on the, uh, the, the West side and it kind of faces um, this, the, this big portion of the meat packing. And it's known for these windows that are just exposed. And I was able to do this performance where all of these dancers were choreographed in a specific window with lights. And it kind of, you know, that was our theater and it was an unusual space. And mm -hmm. I was enough to do another show at a venue that was very atypical and, and just being a part of all of these productions that were in unusual spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I am not, I think tradition is really great and really important, yeah. but I think that um, I think new ideas are really hard to hear if you have a preconceived notion about what something sh should be. So um, art really taught me how to look at things in a wide lens. Mm -hmm. And hopefully more people can appreciate that, those newer venues. Um, sure. I know it's such a hard thing to say, but because you know, in 2015, when somebody asks you, where do you see yourself in five years? And you don't even guess that there would have been a global pandemic where you're going to be doing everything on the internet. People would have died laughing at you. But where do you see yourself in five years? I would love to be a part of the performing community more in Fort Lauderdale. And yeah. in sense, as a, as a teacher and a choreographer, I would love to provide opportunities to my students on a level that is what we do and what we're known for doing, which are these beautiful productions and just elevate that and make the accessibility, deepen the accessibility, deepen the um, production value, deepen the enrichment of that experience because for me, and I had a, a career very much post dance studio, but mm -hmm. 
But some of the most beautiful work I've ever done has been with this team in this place. And mm -hmm. um, I really, I it's invaluable. It's invaluable. So I, I want to renovate and add, um, you know, a fresh take to the productions that we do, that we do and deepen it and add um, all of the beautiful perspectives and mm -hmm. areas of knowledge that our team has to really make it the best that it can be because um, we do really, really great work. And I just think everyone needs to see it. Yeah. And that great work comes with planning and uh, participation and execution. All of those things take time. And these aren't things that are, you know, that will come in nine months in a pandemic, you know, so that's, on, that's a very, very promising. And you, you, I mean, you're on that team. You add so much with your experience of, of productions. I mean, I, I can see it already. And it's just, you know, when, when you, when you know and are so familiar with something that the second something's new, you're like, that's great. That's amazing. That's, and I mean, that's what it feels like working with you and seeing yeah. like how your life experience and how your wealth of knowledge is, is it's, it makes such a difference. So, you know, uh, the team that you have, I think it brings, it brings a lot to the table and I'm just really excited to, um, to be in pre-production mode where we can say all mm -hmm. ideas on the table, how mm -hmm. great it be. And, um, you know, it's already happening. So yeah. I think in five years, I mean, I think that that kind of molding and, and all of those beautiful additions can, can be, can deepen the, the project and elevate the work and, you know, get it out there to new young audiences. Yeah, and we'll be able to see kind of this impact of the the pandemic in the next five, 10 years and see what people have been doing and cultivating in this time. And I think that's going to be such a, a really fun time in entertainment and in dance and just in viewing things in general. When I moved to New York in 2008, everything was ashes. There was nothing yeah. happening. And I moved to this part of New York City where like it was just like garbage and like it was just really really rough and everybody who moved in there was young cool hungry unbelievably talented and they built a literal city they made an actual part of new york city cool to live they opened up nightclubs and art houses and they were in bands that changed the the time and it mm -hmm. was like Lord of the flies where like kids were running the world yeah what it was like at that time and that's what it will be again all of these innovative creative you know smart voices they're mm -hmm. going to get louder and they're going to bring all of you know they're going to push us forward i'm ready yep. Let's go yeah. hold on let's do it yeah i'm i'm totally there with you i can't wait to see what this what the next generation does um it's been great having you on i really love your story i love your your inspiration daily that you um, have for yourself and for your craft. It's been a pleasure talking I to you. I love you, Mr. T. Aww. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, um, it's, it's been so great to be able to reminisce about parts of my life and share them with you. And um, I just want everybody who's listening to know that I have known Mr. T my entire okay. life. Mm -hmm. And we would, uh, if anybody needs um, me to interview Mr. TJ, I would love to do that. <laughs> Take I would love it, Mr. T. I would love it. Rachel, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. 
Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at Mayday Rachel Ma, and I'm also on Instagram at Holy Calamity Ma. Um, both profiles, which are not very active, um, but full of very ridiculous content for your enjoyment. So uh, give me a follow. And um, you can see your two uh, cats on there quite frequently. Yeah. yeah, and Boba for sure. And Boba. Excellent. Thank you so much, Rachel. Hugs and kisses, Mr. TJ. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.